Did you ever do the presidential fitness award in school? Ew, yes. The mile run, which oh my was God. absolutely humiliating every time. That just brought back so <laughs> immediate many tension all in my shoulders and my Oh my God. <laughs> I think that's why I hate running so much was because mm. every year we had to do that stinking run. And they never prepare you for it. They're just like, here, do this. Yeah. It's not like they're like, hey, we're going to be doing this run in three months. Let's start <laughs> conditioning you. It's just like, hey, who cares if you have asthma? Like, yeah. And then you're judged <laughs> openly and given a little patch. I remember like I strained my hamstring because like one of them was like the hamstring stretch test. Mm. Hey there. Welcome to Tater Talks. Two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. Welcome back to the Tater Talks podcast. How are you today, Iris? I'm good. I got my ginormous Irish wool sweater on. I got a cat in my lap and I got coffee, so I'm good. I hear you. I got my, I have my coffee. I have my morning smoothie that I felt like making today and it's a great way to start the week. What's in it? Oh, I have frozen strawberries and bananas. I have about two cups of spinach. I have half a scoop of Premier Protein protein powder. And then I have the Isopure unflavored protein powder. So it's like 55 grams of protein. Ooh, nice. I have like the dairy gold fit milk, some fresh raspberries. And uh, yeah, that's about it. That sounds good. <laughs> it's actually delicious. I love this smoothie. I've gotten out of smoothies since the weather's gotten colder, but I do love a good smoothie when it's hot out. Oh yeah. No, they're wonderful when it's hot, but Today, I was just feeling it. I wasn't really wanting breakfast, but I know like after recording the podcast today, I have to get ready really quick and bounce. And I'm like, I don't really feel like cooking a whole meal. Yeah, so I'm going to do fair. that. Had one of the little squeezy pouches, the little chia seed ones, and that was delicious. So nice. took my vitamins, all that fun stuff. Cool. What are we talking about today, Brooke? So today we are talking about kind of like Iris and I's journey up until this point. That way you listening can kind of understand our fitness journeys. You might be able to relate to our fitness journeys and see like the experience that we've had in our life to get to the point where we can talk about it. Hopefully we can relate to you. Iris and I have a little bit different journeys, but you know, you listening might notice they're also a little bit the same. And also to show that like coaches go through shit too, fitness enthusiasts <laughs> go through shit too. So hopefully you can, you know, you can resonate with what we're, what we're saying. So Iris, do you want to start? Um, and we're also going to talk about our struggles, our success, kind of our current goals. So yeah, maybe at the end of it, we'll talk about where we are now and what phase of life and fitness we're in and, and kind of where we want to go and what we're doing about it. Absolutely. I love it. Well, Iris, would you like to go first? Sure. Well, I was thinking about my first memories of like exercise, like specific exercise. And the thing that stood glaringly out to me was, did you ever do the presidential fitness award in school? Ew. Yes. <laughs> and the the mile run, which oh my was God. a nightmare. For me, anyway, I'm not a natural runner. I've always been naturally strong and fast in like short bursts. I like to say I used to be lifestyle active, not fitness active. Like I didn't really work out. I didn't exercise, but I was very active. Uh, I grew up in the boonies, so I spent a lot of time outside. We had glorious woods and a pond and dirt roads to run up and down. So I did a lot of that. My parents had me in soccer and I was I was a defender. I used to play defense because I was good at those like short bursts of energy um, and just kind of eyeing the ball. But I was not naturally good at it most of the time. My parents actually like to tell the story, which is completely 100% true, unfortunately, that I used to just most of the time run around the field 
pretending to be a horse uh, and snorting and pawing the grass. <laughs> and I was a horse girl through and through. So I, I did run around pretending to be a horse, but I was good and fast in short bursts. But the distance endurance, not naturally my thing. I've worked at it over the years, but oh, the mile run was just absolutely humiliating every time. Well, maybe if it was like the mile gallop, you would have enjoyed it a little more. <laughs> I probably would have. I should have reframed it in my head that way. But I think I was I was too deep in the shame of not being very good at it. Like I said, I've always been naturally strong. Um, I was a horse girl, so I did a lot of work on farms. I actually worked and trade for riding lessons. So I cleaned stalls. I worked with horses towards the, in the later years of that, I was actually training horses. So it was neat to see my, my strength in that. Like I could bail hay in each hand at 16, just walking down the middle of the barn. And that was pretty cool. But I didn't actually ever exercise really because of that, because working on a farm is hugely hard work. <laughs> but that ended in college. I stopped working at the farm so much. I became a lot more sedentary, I think, as a lot of people do. Also, I had no concept of you know nutrition. I probably couldn't have told you what a calorie was. I ended up gaining a lot of weight. I grew up in a home that was very health conscious, like my parents really did well feeding us nutritious foods. There was definitely some stank around off-limit foods, certain cereals we were not allowed to have. There were certain cereals that were the only cereals we had. And so I struggled a little bit from a young age with, you know, food hoarding, hiding and hoarding, especially the sugary, the sugary sweet stuff um, that wasn't really allowed except for very, very special occasions. I would rebel in my own way about, you know, hiding the sweet stuff and then binging on them, keep them under my bed and binge on them later. And so I brought that with me to college. I lived at home during college, but, you know, a lot of the behaviors stuck with me. I struggled for a while with binging and restricting because, you know, the there was the good foods, bad foods, and then eventually I couldn't take it anymore. So I would binge on all of the quote unquote bad foods and the cycle continued I think the first diet I remember was the HCG diet, um, which if you've ever listened to Brooke's podcast, uh, Donuts and Dumbbells podcast, we, we talked about that pretty in depth. But that was an extremely ultra low calorie, very, very restrictive diet that I wouldn't recommend to my worst enemy. Um, and that was the first one I ever did. So that was kind of the basis of like anything I ever knew about dieting at that point, what to do to lose weight. And of course, the emphasis was all on weight, not fat. That was the big entry into diet. Did that a couple times, lost a lot of weight, gained it all back and some more. And then um, post-college, I met my best friend who wanted to start doing Couch to 5K. So we did that. We started it um, and then she and her husband got pregnant. So we stopped that. <laughs> and, then, and then after she had the baby, we started it again. Um, and then she moved away. I finished it. And then I just kind of bounced around to different things. I took one class at a gym that shall not be named that uh, I didn't know what I was doing. The instructor, not entirely to be blamed, had no idea what level I was at. So he pushed me really, really hard. And I had doms so bad I couldn't even get out of bed. Like my mom had to help me get out of bed. And like I could barely walk. I have never been in such pain <laughs> from a workout. Oh man. Um, so, you know, very ups and downs in terms of like fitness memories. Um, diet also very up and down. The first one, as I mentioned, was the HCG, which was my baseline for like what a diet should be. So a very negative experience, but at the same time, I didn't know that that was not normal, that that was not okay. But when it comes to that, I've dabbled in just about everything. I mean, I've I've done portion control containers, those little color-coded ones. I've done paleo. I've done intermittent fasting. I've done keto. I've done a sort of off-brand keto, which still gives you some carbs, but very, very low. And, you know, all of these, a huge emphasis on bad foods, like stuff you're not supposed to eat. Huge demonization of carbs, sugar, fruit, some vegetables even all very desperation driven, all very completely aesthetically driven. 
which is not entirely a bad thing. We don't believe aesthetics is entirely off limits. Of course, you can have aesthetic goals so long as you approach them with a healthy mindset and with balance and everything. But my point was back then, that was like the only thing that I could care about was the number on the scale and getting smaller. And just through all of that ups and downs is classic yo-yo, classic binge restrict, just classic running into something gung-ho, finding that next magic pill and then burning out and or getting injured. And I think the final aha moment or the light bulb moment or the shit's got to change moment for me was when I got engaged, actually. Um, I had been in therapy for a while. I'd been working on my relationship with food. I had the binging and restricting was tapering off. You know, it still happened. I still struggled with it. But when I got engaged, when my now husband popped the question, I I was like, enough is enough here. You know, this is a new, beautiful chapter of my life. I cannot bring this shit into it. And and I have not had a binge episode since August of 2019 at this point. That was the moment where I was like, yeah, no, I'm done. <laughs> and that's not to say, of course, you know, that emotional things haven't happened. Like, you know, life's been perfect ever since. I still have emotional struggles. Like I still have all of the normal things that life brings. I'm just a lot better at dealing with them now. I don't turn to food to deal with them. I'm a lot better at introspection, really, you know, looking at what's going on inside and seeing what is happening around me that's making me feel like I need to do this and handling it that way. So, and then a little bit of a fast forward to where I am now, right before ye old pandemic hit, I joined the inner circle, but I had discovered Jordan and Susan and a few other people in their crowd on Instagram. And I really started learning about like, what is a calorie? What is a calorie deficit? What is energy balance? How can I live a moderate life that still supports the goals that I have, but also how to adjust those goals so they're realistic, how to live a realistic life, essentially, you know, have goals, aim for them achieve them without losing your mind, without spinning your wheels, without doing everything driven by fear and misinformation and actually how to a little bit, you know, parse what is fear and misinformation from like the real deal. And as we've mentioned in the last episode, you know, the IC is very behavioral science driven, like how to actually change your behavior to support the lifestyle that you want, how to get stronger, how to live a strong life, you know, and my goals really shifted from being smaller, you know, seeing how small I could get smaller and smaller and smaller into how strong I could get. And that is really when I started seeing some actual physical changes was because I was strength training more. I had done a little bit of strength training when I was doing an at-home workout program, but the way that it was set up with so many participants and so many quote-unquote coaches who don't really know how to coach giving incomplete cues, giving bad cues. I injured myself a few times. I injured my back. I slipped a disc in my back. I tore both calf muscles. I got two uh, grade two calf strains. Healed now, thankfully. Those two were from just the ridiculous amount of cardio I was doing and like bouncy, bouncy on my, on my feet and my calf muscles. But I injured my shoulder. I injured my neck. I injured my wrist strength training during the strength training program that was <laughs> poorly run. So it scared me a little bit, but I I started learning more. I started listening to cues that people from the IC were giving and seeing how they lined up with what I was doing before and seeing the difference and seeing how it could work better. And so I started slowly building back into strength training and I just absolutely fell in love with it. You know, the way it made me feel, how strong I was getting, like just the way that I noticed I was carrying myself in life, like much more confidently. Um, and we will talk about in the future all of the all of the wonderful things that strength training has done for us just in the confidence zone. Um, but it was really incredible. And then I put a calorie deficit into practice. And I lost, I'd, I had originally lost about 80 pounds of fat with these fads. And then of course, some of it came back, about half of it came back. And I just yo-yoed up and down from there. But I lost it and then I kept it off. And then I started learning about muscle building and hypertrophy and 
I really set some realistic achievable goals and I smashed them and I still am. <laughs> so that's where I am now. And I've, you know, recently been writing strength training programs for people based on some classes that I've taken and what I've learned from Susan and Jordan and shout out to Mike Robertson as well. He's amazing. And yeah, just really, really diving into changing the mindset is where it all stemmed from was changing the mindset. You know, the good food, bad foods, the doing everything at all costs to be smaller, squeezing myself into pants that don't fit, just everything. And it's really been a life changer. And it's really been just a beautiful, powerful shift in my life that I just, I want to share with everybody because I I want people to experience what kind of freedom this is. It It really, really is incredible. And that's, that's really what I'm passionate about. You know, <laughs> I'm passionate about all of it. I love, I love the strength training and I love the mindset, but the mindset is really where it's got to come from. Uh, if you really want to make change and, and keep it. And that's my story in a nutshell. That was wonderful. And I think that like a lot of people have similar experiences, just like for me speaking from coaching experience. I mean, you try everything before mm-hmm. finding what works. And hopefully this podcast and learning a little bit will help you save some time, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, some time that we didn't save. But yeah, I mean, I think that it's super normal for that to happen. And also like when you mentioned when you brought up the presidential fitness testing and stuff oh. like that just brought back so <laughs> immediate many tension all in my shoulders and my Oh my God. <laughs> I think that's why I hate running so much was because mm. every year we had to do that stinking run. And they never prepare you for it. They're just like, here, do this. Yeah. It's not like they're like, hey, we're going to be doing this run in three months. Let's start <laughs> conditioning you. It's just like, hey, who cares if you have asthma? Like, yeah. And then you're judged <laughs> openly and given a little patch or not or different kinds of patches. I think oh, my mom yeah. probably still has all of them for us, but... <laughs> humiliating well I remember like I strained my hamstring because like one of them was like the hamstring stretch test Mm. and of course like as a kid you're just like how far can I get this stupid little like this little level on -hmm. this hamster it's like a metal box and you sit down and you put your feet against the box and it's like measured I remember that Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, let's try to get it to the very end. And so there were so many people that got injured because of it. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, I was the only person in my class who could do a chin up. Oh, way back see, then. I, that's I like the not. only thing I had going for me in the <laughs> in the athleticism realm. Right. Well, I actually got my very first chin up last week. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm sure like if you saw it, and you can, oh, it was an Instagram story. Never mind. So if you're listening. You can't see it. Maybe I'll, if I still have post the video, it. I'll, your I'll post it. But literally like the look on my face of your like surprise that I was able to do it was like, <laughs> <laughs> I rewatched it. Like I'm such a goober, dude. <laughs> That's awesome though. Uh, it was great. But yeah, I like would literally just like go to do the pull up test and I would just hang there. And like, just try to squeeze as much as I could. And Mm -hmm. there was one time I did that. And like, if you're listening, I have a lot of stories about like, I just have like the worst luck of like farting during workouts and stuff. Cause like, I remember just squeezing and like, just like letting one rip by accident, like doing the chin up test. again. (laughs) Like the following, like the following year, I ended up like faking an injury. Oh. because I didn't want to do it and get embarrassed because I was so traumatized. I was oh. like a freshman too when that happened. I was like a freshman in high school when they had me do the chin up. <laughs> and I accidentally farted because I was like trying so hard. Aww. And so it's just like, oh my gosh, what in the world? And so, yeah, I would like fake injuries or I just like wouldn't go to school that day or skip class because I was so terrified. But like that I think was a really big... I felt so badly about like how quote unquote in shape I was Mm. according to this national test that I developed a really unhealthy relationship with exercise. Mm. So like growing up, I was only really good at one sport. I did Taekwondo. I was in martial arts. I almost got my black belt. 
I'd forgot about that until you just said that. That's another thing we had in common is after school extracurriculars. I did Taekwondo and I did not suck at it. I did not either. Surprisingly, (laughs) surprisingly forgotten. Yeah. And so it was great. Like I played soccer for a while and same as you like played Mm -hmm. soccer for a while. And I just was not in shape, you know, during practices, you know, people kind of goof off. Then during games, I was a midfielder. So I would have to run back and forth and I would run so fast that like I could like it felt like fire when I was breathing. So I'm like, Mm. nope, I don't want to do soccer anymore because I just wasn't conditioned for it. And so they they told me I had sports induced asthma, but that's actually not true. I was just, you know, out of not I, I don't want to say out of shape because I was you a were kid. a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Like I wasn't out of shape, but it was like I exercise was not a regular thing for me. Right. So like when I would run, I would like sprint and your lungs can only handle so much. But yeah, I did Taekwondo for a really long time, almost got my black belt. And then I met a boy in high school. Like I, I, I met a boy in high school. Yeah, he didn't think it was cool. So, oh, that was honestly probably one of my like I never regret anything, but that I regret. I regret never like getting my black belt because I was good at it. But as far as like my health journey, like I grew up in a home or I had a childhood, I should say, because my parents were divorced. I grew up in a home where there wasn't really a great example of health. So my dad, he was a type one diabetic. He also was an addict. So he didn't manage his health very well. There were times where like when I was really little, like I was kind of in charge of my dad's health. So like if we go see him on the weekends when he was doing well in life, I would be the one to like make sure that he was keeping his blood sugars stable and things like Mm -hmm. that, eating, you know, making sure that he could stay awake so he wouldn't, his blood sugar wouldn't drop too low. So my dad was kind of like a big kid. Like, I love him, may rest in peace. But he, when we would go over to our dad's house, we would go to the store and get like the little penny candies, like the little fruity tooties. And we would load up on sugar. We, We pretty much ate like toddlers in a candy shop. We would eat TV dinners. We never ate really nutritious foods. Like he didn't have any cooking skills either. So a lot of it was cereal. A lot of it was fast food. And on that front, we didn't have a good example. And eventually, like I'd mentioned, like he passed away at 42 years old. So he was very, very young. Um, He had heart, heart disease. He had a kidney disease. He had multiple strokes. He had leg amputations. And that was all just from not managing his health properly. And so once he passed away, I gained quite a bit of weight. Like I used food as a coping mechanism and it wasn't until, and this is not okay, but like it wasn't until I was dating a guy and I literally would binge in front of him. Like I would binge eat in front of him thinking that that was normal because there was a lot of binging growing up. And that that might be a good topic for a later episode. Yeah, totally. So there was one time I'm dating this guy and I went to Little Caesars and got a large pizza and ate the entire thing by myself and then topped it off with a milkshake. I remember standing up and immediately throwing up. Like I was so full. And that's when my ex-boyfriend, so boyfriend of the time, was like, hey, that was really disgusting. You should lose weight. And I was like, mm. yeah, d- yeah. If you're listening to this, don't ever say that to someone that's fucked up. Uh, <laughs> it was terrible because he grew up in a family that was very health conscious. They ate a lot of nutritious foods. They had a really well-balanced diet, but I did not grow up that way. So a little bit about like how I grew up with food, like we didn't really have access to nutritious foods. Like my mom, like we were very low income. My dad didn't work. So Um, And my parents were divorced. So we were very low income. Sometimes we were food insecure. So my siblings and I would have to fend for ourselves or share food because my mom, even working her ass off, had three kids to provide for herself. So, you know, as parents, you do the best you can. Um, And I can speak to that as as a parent, but we didn't have access to a lot of healthy foods. We grew up in a very small town. So it was very difficult to have access to farmers markets, things like that. So 
we also would get food like at the food bank, stuff like that. So when you have like a financial hardship, it's not easy to buy very nutritious foods. So growing up, we would eat a lot of frozen meals. We would eat a lot of ultra processed food. We would eat fast food if it was, you know, at, at the time McDonald's had like a true dollar menu, like everything was a dollar. So like we would go to McDonald's and get a dollar, you know, get stuff off of the dollar menu. And once I graduated high school and then my dad passed away, you know, I gained a lot of weight. And about six months later, I quit smoking and gained more weight because I had to replace the habit with something else. And that habit was binge eating. Hence, you know, the boyfriend that told me (laughs) you're disgusting. And so after that, I ended up doing multiple diets, like the first being the HCG diet. And I did the HCG diet through a naturopath doctor. And I did it after I saw my mom do it. So my mom lost like 45 pounds in 30 days. Mm. Too fast for those listening. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) Way too fucking fast. If anything promises you quick and easy results, it's that's a red flag, like run the other direction. And that's the thing is I hated exercise. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that was because I didn't grow up having a good example of exercise. I only did martial arts. I didn't play sports really. I mean, I played soccer, but I that you know, crashed and burned quickly. Same with basketball. Like I tried things and I just didn't like it. And so it was very difficult. Like it was very difficult because I only exercised and I learned about exercise either to pass a test or to punish myself, Mm. to punish myself for eating. So when I heard the HCG diet and they're like, you cannot exercise, I was like, sign me up. Yeah, that's how little you're eating. You're not even advised to exercise. You could pass out. Exactly. And so I was like, cool, sign me up. And I lost like 45 pounds, like roughly the same amount as my mom did. And then I wanted to lose even more weight. And I was going through a naturopath doctor where I was getting injections. And they would give me injections to give myself at home. And like, that's how far I decided to push to where I was like, like injecting myself with hormones and eating 500 calories a day. Like I will never look at Grassini breadsticks again. <laughs> like Iris, I think I've texted you and Nick Anderson about <laughs> whenever I see them at like the grocery store, I'm like <laughs> trauma. <laughs> For those of you who are unfamiliar, that's like the only carbs you're allowed to have either that or Melba toast. I don't know if you ever did the Melba toast thing. Do you remember those? This little cardboard ass, hard, no flavor crackers are the worst things ever. And that, that's like the only carbs you're allowed to have. You're allowed to have two of them a day and they're so teeny, teeny, tiny. It's ridiculous. I used to like break them into pieces to make it feel like I was eating more, like so disordered, right? So like, disordered. Yeah. Looking oh back, it's crazy to see, knowing what we know, the stuff we used to do that was it's just incredibly not okay. Like when I was doing the HCG, like I was doing it with somebody else and we would, we would take naps for hours at a time. So we wouldn't eat because we were so hungry. We would just go sleep. So we wouldn't be tempted to eat. And that is fucked up. Yeah. And not sustainable. Like there's no way you can live the rest of your life like that. And it's wild. And so I did the HCG diet and then I did it again. And then I ended up shortly after that, I was in college at the time too. So I was in college, I was studying, and then I found out I was pregnant. I ended up leaving the ex-boyfriend, the pizza thing, the pizza pizza incident. (laughs) And I ended up meeting my son's dad, had a pleasant surprise named Micah. And while I was pregnant, I was super sick. Like I couldn't keep food down. Like it was, it was really, really challenging to even keep food down. And I decided like, I do not want my son to have to go through what I did with my dad. I want my son to grow up with a better example of health. And so while I was pregnant, I was also a pack a day chain smoker. So I like, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I quit smoking. I quit eating fast food and I started to do quote unquote research, Mm. (laughs) google.com. And I ended up finding this book called Skinny Bitch with a Bun in the Oven. Oh, no. 
Yeah. Oh, no. And it was a book about veganism and how when you're pregnant, you should go vegan. Not that there's anything wrong with being vegan. And I will preface this with saying, if you are vegan for moral reasons, like you don't appreciate the treatment of animals, I totally support that. Yeah. But if you are vegan because you want to lose weight, I do not support that. Mm-hmm. Big difference there. Huge difference. Huge difference. So I decided to go vegan and la- that lasted a whole 82 hours. <laughs> like 82 hours. And I was like, fuck this. So I just ate what I could keep down at that point, which, you know, at the time, uh, my son's half Thai. So I was living with people who were from Thailand and they would make some of the most delicious food. Like they would make like homemade mm-hmm. chicken soup for me. And and I could keep some of that down. I had my son and I decided, you know, all right, I'm going to do the best I can. So I started doing even more research when he was born. And what ended up happening was I discovered paleo. Then I discovered Whole30. Then I decided to go full-blown paleo. And I was paleo for a long time. I kept weight off. I did a lot of paleo too, actually. That's probably the one that I did the longest, most consistently. And I actually, I still have some paleo cookbooks that are really good. It was just the way that I did it and the way that I was taught to do it was all all grounded in fear, which is a big no-no. But some of the recipes are pretty darn good. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And for the most part, like paleo is a very nutritiously Mm -hmm. dense diet. So there's nothing inherently wrong with it no. No, but I think, you know, once you get dogmatic in an approach Mm -hmm. and once you get, you know, very restrictive in an approach where it's very all or nothing, that's when I see it being a problem. I don't see anything wrong with following specific guidelines. Yeah. um, But not rules. Right. Right. We don't want to follow rules. We want to follow guidelines. So um, I went paleo and I did Whole30. I did the South Beach diet. I did Jenny Craig. I did a lot of different fucking diets. And I did the Atkins diet, which if you don't know what that is, it's very similar to keto. I did intermittent fasting, just like Iris had mentioned. And it just got to the point where I started to lose weight. And paleo was, I think, the kind of the last diet diet that I really tried. And I did that several times over the years. But when I went back to work, when my son was about nine months old, and that's when I kind of started my fitness journey. So I'll kind of like dabble on my fitness journey a bit. I went back to work and met a friend who was in the military. And he was like, you can come with me and my wife to go work out. And we would walk to the gym every day since it was right around the corner. And looking back, like I flabbergasted that I did not injure myself. Everything I was doing, there was no progressive overload. There was no program. It was like, what are we doing today? Like, <laughs> go in and move. But some movement's better than no movement. So, mm-hmm, totally. you know, th- that's good. When I tried to go on my own, the only thing, like before I went with him and his wife, the only thing that I did was go in and get on the treadmill because I knew I could walk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I started out like a cardio bunny, just going in walking for like an hour. I would watch like a little TV show that they played on the gym and read the subtitles. And then I would leave and I would do that. And then he's like, well, if you're not seeing progress. Come with me and my wife. And so started doing that and just doing whatever they were doing. And I ended up losing like 15 pounds because at the time I was also eating paleo, which is essentially just like no ultra processed food and really focusing on nutrient density. And so I ended up losing 15 pounds and I decided to have my first like personal training consultation with the gym personal trainer had a tremendously terrifying experience. He had me doing things that I should not have been doing, especially like nine months after a C-section. Knowing what I know about training, I was like, what the fuck? Like Mm -hmm. scary. So fast forward have the session and I decide, you know, I've lost 15 pounds on my own already. I might as well figure out how to exercise on my own. So ended up going to school for personal training, getting my uh, my diploma in personal training and basic nutrition, getting my certification through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. I have my TRX and suspension training, kettlebell training, really just dove into the training aspect. I love learning about body. I love learning mm. biomechanics and anatomy. I love learning anatomy. I yeah, love it. Me too. Um, it's so much fun. 
Like it's fascinating to me, like the muscles and how they move and mm-hmm. bones and all and that work so, together or against each other. And yes, exactly. Like nerd the body stuff, but it's super neat. <laughs> these nerds here, we're, we're nerds here at Tater Talks. The <laughs> nerdy pitches. <laughs> Join us, won't you? <laughs> Be a nerdy bitch with oh us. Oh my gosh, I want a t-shirt that says nerdy bitch on it. We're making those. <laughs> You're actually going to love this. Real quick detour. I actually just bought on Etsy this little like rear view mirror sticker that says buckle up bitches. And I thought nice. of you. So, Very nice. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. But yeah, so I ended up going to school, getting my certifications. I got a job at a very small fitness studio where... Very old school way of training and not a lot of progressive overload. So shortly after that, I started my own business, branched out, met some other trainers, some wonderful trainers. My friend Bergen and Morgan, what up? You guys are the best. But I ended up really learning a lot from other people, learning a lot from Jordan Syatt and Susan Niebergall. And then when COVID shut down people's businesses and whatnot. That's when I joined the inner circle and met Iris and um, some of our really good friends. And that's when I really started changing my approach to nutrition. That's when I started to learn a lot more about balance, which sounds terrible for the amount of training that I did. But you know, when you know better, you do better. Mm -hmm. So now I've been coaching people to live healthy, balanced lifestyles. I have an incredibly good relationship with food after years of detriment. Yeah, same. (laughs) I have really developed that all foods fit mindset. But the thing that I struggled with in the beginning was what does moderation actually look like? I think we all hear everything in moderation, but nobody knows what moderation truly looks like. And so that's something that I ended up going through and learning. And so my fitness journey has been very up and down. And now it's stable. And that's why I'm here talking to you on how to make it that way. And hopefully, if you're listening to this and you're very, very new in fitness and you're just beginning, you can learn from Iris and I's experiences, especially if you've had similar experiences. Because I used to believe in the good foods and bad foods and the clean foods, dirty foods. And I used to believe in all of that. Once you really realize that you know, there are no bad foods. I mean, who has ever been punched in the face by a Snickers bar? Nobody. Nobody has been physically harmed unless maybe you have like an allergy um, Mm -hmm. or you eat food poisoning. Yeah. If we have any food rules, if you really want some food rules, are you allergic to it? Don't eat it. Do you hate it? Like if you try to eat it and it literally makes you want to throw up, don't eat it. There you go. (laughs) Absolutely. That's it. Is it is it rotten? Is it spoiled? Has it gone bad? Did you steal it from a baby? Don't eat it. I mean, it depends on the baby. No, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we both have had kind of long and winding roads, but you know, we're not just talking heads here. We've lived the shit. (laughs) We've done a lot of stupid things, and we've come to a much more balanced, much more peaceful way of living. And that's really what we. That's just all we want for people, you know. You can reach your goals and we'll talk more specifically in later episodes, like how to, but you can reach your goals, performance goals, aesthetic goals, doing things reasonably and in a way that you can sustain and maintain while living your life and enjoying your life and not hating everything. Because that was, I mean, really when we were both of us, when we were in the depths of all the yo-yo dieting and restrictive dietings, we weren't happy. No, you know, not at all. The way I describe it now, it was very claustrophobic. It was very frantic and it was very claustrophobic, you know, constantly worrying about like, well, can I eat this? It's not on the list. What if I do eat this right now? I'm out to dinner. I have no other options. Like, it's just not very peaceful. And I think if you're, if you are, we'll go into depth again more later, but if you are that uptight and neurotic about doing stuff the healthy way, I don't think that's healthy. Yeah. I mean, mindset is a huge part. Yeah. So where are we now? I know, Brooke, you kind of already talked about kind of leading into where you are now, but like personal goals, what are you working on now? What fitness phase are you in? Nutrition phase? What you doing? Yeah. So I'm just currently like maintaining 
or I like to call it like gain taining. Mm-hmm. So like I'm maintaining if I gain a little bit, that's fine. As far as my fitness goals for our listeners, I am a pole dancer. So I do pole fitness and one of my big goals is to nail some really challenging tricks. So I just recently hit what's called an outside leg hang, which is essentially you just hanging by your knee pit without your hands. And I just accomplished that not too long ago. So like my next goal is to learn like aerial inversions. So being able to climb up the pole and invert into that leg hang without starting from the ground essentially is that goal. Um, But also I love strength training. I love, love, love strength training. So I guess my goal right now for strength training is to just rebuild my deadlift a little bit more, like just work my way back up to where I was. Cause I've just taken about six months off of barbell training just because of some nagging injuries and nerve stuff. I have fibromyalgia, so it can be really challenging on your central nervous system. You can get a lot of pain from certain things if you are doing too much and pole is a pretty strenuous activity. So I have to. Makes a lot of strength. Yeah. So I was, uh, took a little bit of a break from the barbells. I was still strength training, but I was using mainly dumbbells and kettlebells. So my current goal is to get back into my deadlifts and and start lifting 175 for reps, which I'm almost there. So that's fun. And my other fitness goal is to be able to do the splits by the end of the year. Ooh, nice. I've never been able to do that. I've never practiced it really dedicatedly, but I've I've never been able to do the splits. Yeah, it does take a lot of training, like yeah. flexibility training and whatnot. Like I've been doing it since January. It's been my New Year's resolution. So nice. And you're still going. That's that's big. Yeah, still going. So it's pretty cool. Like I really enjoy it. If I don't hit it, no big deal. I'm just going to keep working at it. And um, yeah, so those are kind of my fitness goals right now. How about you, Iris? Well, right now at the time of recording, I am 10 and a half months into a build phase, commonly known as a bulk. But, you know, that's a scary word for a lot of people for some for some understandable reasons, all of them based on misinformation. But uh, so I call it a build more often now. But basically, I've been eating in a calorie surplus, just a slight one since January. I've been strength training, really hitting that uh, progressive overload to put on some muscle because I want some muscle on this body. So I've been doing that. Performance-wise, we've just started working on uh, leg press pretty intensely. So I want to do 400 for that. I'm at 380 now. (laughs) So I'd like to do that. And then I want to get 224 reps for uh, Romanian deadlifts. So I'm at a deload now, taking a little bit of a breather, but then I'm going to hit it again next week. And yeah, that's where I am. I'm current talks with my one-on-one coach, Ocean Trail, who's fantastic. And we will have her on talking about all things muscle because she's a wealth of knowledge and she's lived it. I was talking with her about plans for a cut in January. So I think I'm going to finish out the bulk in January and then do an eight-month cut, take a three-week diet break, and then another eight. eight did I say eight months? I meant eight week. <laughs> eight week. That's I am what not I thought cutting you meant. for eight months. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, you know, no. and what's funny is I could have like corrected you. I'm like, oh, Iris, actually, that's eight <laughs> weeks. But I knew what you were talking about. But thank you for specifying that for those listening, because I was just like, oh, no, she meant weeks. But yeah, I'm like, yeah. whoops. I am excited that you're, we're going to have Ocean on. That is super cool because yes. I would love to pick her brain because a lot of my current training right now is just strength, like getting back into, you know, getting some of my strength back. But I really need to transition into like a hypertrophy phase, especially for pole, get some, build some more muscle, get some endurance, muscular endurance. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I can't wait to pick her brain. It's Woo-hoo. fun. I've been learning a lot and I, you know, not to <laughs> sound really pretentious, but like I'm an advanced lifter at this point. Um, I've been lifting for four years before this and I'm still learning. Like I didn't use a whole, whole lot of machines previously. I did a lot of, um, barbells and dumbbells, but I've been learning so much about cables and machines and like different ways to set them up to hit different points of muscle, different muscles in general. It's really very fascinating and it's been fun. It's been very fun. We should talk about building and yes. dun, 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 weight gain. <laughs> yes, I would absolutely I'm, I'm, uh, love that. 21 pounds up this morning 
was the average. And I don't care, which may blow some minds, but uh, comes with the territory of building. Well, and it's different when you know that you're doing it intentionally. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very different when you know that you're doing it intentionally and that there's a specific goal for it. And I think once you pass that threshold of like, you know, you can't lose body fat forever. Oh, like no. you, you can't lose body fat forever. I mean, there is such thing as being too lean. And like, mm-hmm. I think what a lot of people don't realize is like once you lose the weight, like, sure, you can maintain it for a little while. But do you want to look the same all the time or do you want to look more jacked? Yeah. People talk about getting toned, um, which you know, in the personal trainer world is, is getting more crap. Um, although that I think, uh, Merriam Webster just finally added the muscle tone definition to the word toned because it's just, that's what people call it. Um, it's wildly overcomplicated, insanely overcomplicated by people who don't know what they're talking about. But the puzzle to that is just put on muscle, lose fat. So you can see the muscle. That's it. That's all toning is. Yeah, that's all it is. It's not easy to execute. It takes a long freaking time, but really it's a very simple. So I am in the put on muscle part of that now. Yeah, that, that was a really great explanation. And it really comes down to people just not knowing, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's diet culture. It's diet culture and, you know, not, not knowing that explanation, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'm excited to see kind of how your eight-week cut goes. That's going to be cool. Yeah, me too. And the diet break in between, I think. And of course, this is a tentative plan because it's still a few months away. So we'll we'll see how it fits into life then. But I'm thinking I might do a little bit of an aggressive cut and then do the break and then another bit of an aggressive cut instead of like a slower one, you know? And I fully yeah. understand that it's... We'll talk about this too. <laughs> Being in a deficit is not all sunshine and puppies and rainbows. There's some stuff that comes along with it that isn't super fun. So accepting that, but I don't also want to be in a deficit forever. No, not at all. And so like, that's that's something like just kind of reverting back to what I said earlier. Like my current goal right now is like gain-taining. So main, mm-hmm. maintaining, and if I gain, that's cool. But like, I just ended a fat loss phase not too long ago. Um, mm-hmm. I started a fat loss, a, a aggressive fat loss phase in July. When we got back from the IC retreat, I did a little bit of an aggressive fat loss phase and I did about 12 weeks, mm-hmm. about 12 weeks. And now I'm- That's a good time Maintaining, Yeah. The, the good thing is, is like, once you learn that you do it in phases, it becomes so much easier. It becomes so much easier. Oh, yeah. There's a built-in light at the end of the tunnel. You're This yes. is not- I see people, and this is a little bit of a tangent, and we'll wrap up here in a few minutes, but I see people talk about the calorie deficit lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle, y'all. No. It's a small no. phase. Maintenance is a lifestyle. I don't even think building necessarily is a lifestyle. No. I think it's depending not. on your goals, it can be. Like I know somebody who has built consistently for four years and has made incredible changes to their physique in the muscle department, and they're cutting now, and it, it's incredible. But I don't think that's necessary. You know, no. that was his choice. Of course, it's totally fine. Like he knew his goal. He went for it and he did it. And that's awesome. But maintenance is really where it's at. And oh the deficit gosh. is a short stint along the way to maybe shed some fat, you know, get in, get out. <laughs> you cannot Absolutely. spend your whole life there. Maintenance is going to happen whether you want it to or not eventually. Yeah. And just like what Iris said, like just piggybacking off of that really quick, like Calorie deficit isn't a lifestyle. Like it's it's not, and it's not even a diet. Like no, your diet is what you eat. It's the law of thermodynamics. Like calorie deficit is literally just about energy balance. Like mm-hmm. there is no, there's no fucking argument about that. To be honest, calorie deficit is literally just how you lose body fat. Calorie deficit is you're eating less calories than your body needs to maintain to sustain life. Eating in a calorie surplus is eating more calories than your body needs to sustain life. And maintaining is eating the amount of calories your body needs to continue to stay in life. So it's not a diet. Like when mm-hmm. you see like, because I've seen like the fucking hashtags on Instagram, hashtag calorie deficit diet, like shut the fuck up. It's not a diet. Sorry. It makes me <laughs> mad. It makes me mad because Pop I've off, had sister. <laughs> no, it makes me mad because certain camps are su- certain quote unquote, I call them food cults, you know, like intermittent fasting and paleo, and I'm going on a a, a rant, a rant Please really do. <laughs> paleo, whole 30, intermittent fasting, keto, all of that. The only reason 
Why those work is because you're in a calorie deficit. If you remove an entire macronutrient from your diet, you're going to lose body fat because you're removing the calories that come with that. You're in a calorie deficit by doing that. You're in an energy deficit. So intermittent fasting is like the thing right now, right? Like it's one of the things out there. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, your body, like a, your insulin and all this shit. Like, no, actually. You're skipping a meal. You're, Relax. you're skipping a meal. You're you're skipping some calories. That's all it is. So, yeah. And if you put those calories back in at another meal, even if you are intermittent fasting, and you're not in a deficit, you're still going to maintain. Nothing's going to happen. Yeah. So that's my little rant because a lot of people think that it's magic and there's no magic. There's no magic. Yeah. Like calorie deficit, calorie surplus, and it's calorie is all just science. It's all it is. It's evidence-based. So like if you're going to argue about science, you probably also believe the fucking world's flat. So Wait, it isn't? <laughs> I had to. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place to end it. Don't paint me as a flat earther. I'm not. Um, Brooke just ranting at the end. <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> no, it's good to get it out. You know, it's like we said, this is partly an outlet for us. And, and I understand that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And also, there is so much bullshit out there that it's... It's no wonder people don't know. Oh, yeah. I didn't always know. You didn't always know. But no, if you don't believe me, do the research. If you don't believe us, try it. Oh, try yeah, it. Like even better. Experiment. Try it for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Be consistent with it. See what happens. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for hanging out, everybody. Thanks, um, guys. Hope you can relate to our stories a little bit. Hope you got something out of this. And we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice. <laughs>